0: So this is part two um, of my series on is Bitcoin a security. And I think I left off talking about how, how can an object, right, that's intangible be considered a commodity or a collectible. And um, I was thinking about how I believe that something that's a commodity or a collectible has to be itself tangible. I do think that's important. And, you know, if you think about um, uh, digital rights to a movie versus uh, buying a DVD, right? Or any kind of product, like a Beanie Baby, let's say. Because I was talking about Beanie Babies recently, too. The idea is that you can buy a product from someone. Let's say a tangible product, like a Beanie Baby or a DVD. And the, there's something called the first sale doctrine. And this is the idea where you're allowed to sell, um, you're allowed to resell this item, uh, because you bought the item yourself. Uh, but what is different? There's something very different about this. When you buy a digital copy of a movie, um, digital copies are different because they can be easily um, distributed, sorry, so easily copied. So oftentimes they'll say, you can't copy this, you can't, um, you're not allowed to uh, resell this digital copy uh, because there's this idea of um, of having, um, a license. And this is because of course you um, digital copies are, you're, you're not, um, when you're buying a DVD, like a physical DVD, you're apparently buying um, really the tangible thing that's uh, in, in case, right? So you're really buying this physical physical disc. You're not really buying the digital screen version of what you see on the screen. Uh, Now that's included in the, in the like hardware that comes with the DVD. Um, But, uh, but that's not really what you're, you're buying. It's kind of weird to think about, like, because you are really buying the movie. Like, this is the thing that you're buying. You're buying this movie. Um, But there's some kind of legal designation uh, about what, what exactly you're buying uh, you're buying this hardware thing that lets you enjoy this movie, um, and you're. If you do make a copy right for yourself, perhaps as a backup or something, you're just not allowed to sell it, right? I don't think you can even make a copy, but they really get mad when you start, you know, distributing or selling copies of a DVD. Um, so the tangibility really matters for something like first sale. So you're allowed to resell your DVD that you bought with the physical disc, but you're not allowed to resell. You're not allowed to make your own copy, right? And sell it. Uh, Cause that would be on another medium, right? So if you burned it to another disc, uh, that's like another, think of it as hardware that you've encased the digital content on, that's not allowed. You're also not allowed to just put it on your computer uh, right? Because it's existing, again, on another hardware. Think of your as like another storage device. But then sending it electronically, right, to email it or whatever, a, you know, distribute it through some kind of torrent site, whatever it is. Um, that's not allowed either. So, um, so why is it that you can buy a DVD and then resell it to someone, but you're not allowed to uh, put it online, right? I think, it's, I think it's really because what what you're buying is this, this hardware, right, that surrounds this digital content, which is really what you're buying the movie, right? You don't care about the disc, but the disc is how you are given the medium. And if you ever put it on your computer, right, this is considered sort of making a copy, which it really is making a copy. And then, uh, you know, they don't really care about that unless you intend to distribute it, right, to resell it. Um but this but what you know the the DVD is what they sold you. Um and this you're allowed to resell things all you know there's eBay you're allowed to resell stuff. Um so I forgot what my point was was going down this tangibility path but I do think that um a commodity or a collectible has to be tangible. And why I think Bitcoin struggles, right? Bitcoin's obviously not tangible. And so it really can't be, be a collectible. It really can't be a commodity because if it's not tangible, um, and I'll just comment again that like, so they, the movies was, the movie thing was a digital, right? It's digital. It's a digital art piece, right? It's a film, but they made it tangible or they encased it in this tangible item they could sell right? The, a physical copy. Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin, uh, if you cannot create sort of this tangible thing as, as a producer, um, how can you really give this first sale doctrine, this law, right? Where you can sell, you know, you can resell stuff. How can you really enable people to do this without being dependent on the, the creator, so, like, if you get a DVD, a, a real DVD, physical DVD, you can resell that no problem. You don't have to get approval from the, the studio, from the film company. Um, people tend to buy, you know, buy um, a movie on Amazon. Let's say you can rent or buy a streaming video. It's a lot easier. You don't have to go to the store. You don't have to get on Amazon and maybe you get it delivered. Maybe you have to wait, you know, some amount of time. But you're not actually buying the movie from Amazon. Now I think that might be a, a, a marketing problem. Like why they shouldn't say you're allowed to buy it. Cause really what it is, is like you have a service with Amazon and if they ever decide to kick you off their platform, same thing goes for YouTube, right? It's not your movie, right? You cannot claim ownership of this. So what they really mean by on Amazon, they mean watch it whenever you want to. And I think there is a description. It says like, oh, you can watch this now whenever you want to. Versus if you rent a movie on Amazon Prime, it says you have 24 hours to watch this. So, um, but there is a disclaimer that if you, you know, maybe you can probably cancel your membership and still have the right to view it. But like if they they decide sort of you're, you know, they don't like what you're saying. Maybe they want to censor you. They want to boot you off their platform. They can deny you movies that you apparently bought right on their platform because you didn't really buy it. You, and you can't resell like, so if you have an Amazon copy of a movie, you cannot resell your copy to anybody because they didn't, because it's, it's not even really ownership. It's just this digital streaming right that has a lot of disclaimers around it. But I think that, I think that um, it really can't be a collectible Right, it can't Bitcoin can't be any of these things because it depends on this virtual ledger that exists and this ledger that's being updated constantly. Um, so it depends right on the Bitcoin miners. Now it doesn't depend on any one miner necessarily, but it does depend on some miners. So you always have to reference the blockchain. And if for some reason no one was mining Bitcoin you couldn't really send your Bitcoin anywhere because you couldn't get your transaction to be included in a block because a miner has to mine that block. Um, Now, this is a theoretical question, right? That um, isn't realistic today because there's lots of Bitcoin miners out there and Bitcoin has a high price, but it still exists. And if you have an item that depends on the issuer, depends on, so I believe Bitcoin miners are the issuer, because where does the Bitcoin come from? All Bitcoin in existence today has come from some kind of Bitcoin miner, but you depend on these miners to keep mining, to keep adding new blocks. And they most likely will, at least, you know, for the, for the time time being. Uh, you need them though, to keep adding new blocks, to have a up-to-date reference of your Bitcoin, to be able to even move your Bitcoin, um, right? so how can an item that's supposedly a collectible or commodity, how can you have this item that still depends on other parties, these other, you know, these other parties called Bitcoin miners, if you buy a Bitcoin, how can you still have this, how can you have, how can you pretend like it's a commodity or maybe even a collectible, but it it also depends on someone else. So like you can't just put it in your basement for a hundred years, Right. And just not worry about it. You have to worry about, hey, what's going on in the Bitcoin mining space? Hey, you know, are they still mining? (laughs) Let's check. Let's see if Bitcoin is still a thing. Let's look at the ledger. Let's see if, you know, anyone's even hacked my account or whatever. Um, So other people can uh, influence your Bitcoin. Right. And they even say, you know, they'll even say like Bitcoin, uh, it's not really in your wallet. Right. And I do want to listen to the rest of this podcast this guy had. It was about Bitcoin language and wanting to clear it up. And the motivation, I think his name is Giggy or something, Giggly? I don't know what his name is. Something Gigi. Uh, but he was right in that Bitcoiners use bad language. They use analogies that don't actually describe what it is they're doing. And p- that, is, that is partly the reason why regulators and why the public don't understand Bitcoin, right? Because I haven't been honest, but he's he was making the claim that Bitcoiners use this language because it's easier to understand. But but if you're using language like the wallet, right? And you think you're holding Bitcoin in your hardware wallet or paper wallet or whatever kind of wallet you have, um, you're really, <clears throat> if you're using this analogy, because it's easier, but it's fundamentally untrue, right? Or it misses the essence, of what it is, um, what it is, Uh, I think it's, I think it's sort of a misrepresentation at best, right? So, these people need to maybe find a better analogy and he's suggesting the Bitcoiners, I think, do that to explain Bitcoin in a way, uh, but he's, he's coming at it like, hey, the regulators, if we're using this language that isn't really true, calling this a wallet, you know, saying that your Bitcoin is on this thing when it's really not, right? Because oftentimes, Um, it's just storing, you know, like a seed phrase, right. Or or maybe even your private key, uh, which is used, you don't share this with anybody. So you're protecting it. You're kind of keeping it safe. Like a wallet might keep safe, uh, real money or credit cards or something, but it's actually, um, not storing cash, physical cash. It's storing some secret that you need to use to sign a transaction so people know it came from you, right? To, to move your Bitcoins. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, um, uh, you know, you could even argue that like a credit card, I mean, this is, what is a credit card? You know, maybe, you know, so this is a physical thing that gives you access to your um, bank account which uses some usually some service like a visa to move the funds uh, for the merchant the merchant accepts so but let's just assume that the wallets holding physical cash people think of you know wallets as holding their money uh let's maybe ignore the credit card example uh but but bitcoin you know a lot of you know and this goes back to like this even brings up custody questions i'm getting on all kinds of tangents but If if um, if no one is really storing the Bitcoin itself, the UTXOs, if they're just storing seed phrases or private keys, they're not really storing Bitcoin either. I mean, so why would you say that this is a Bitcoin custodian? Well, if you have the private keys, it's a proxy for control. So I guess it's almost like a bank account and you have your ATM Uh, And if you put your pin in and you have your card and maybe if they check your name on the card, which they never do anymore. But if they did that, they would sort of know it was you and authorize the transaction to go through when you used your debit card. Um, So oftentimes we say if you have someone's debit card, just like with Bitcoin, if you have someone's private key, maybe you're not the actual uh, real owner of this. Right. But you have what is necessary to to authorize a transaction, whether it's actually legitimate or not, whether you discovered this private key legitimately or not, whether you are custodian of the private key, but then you decide to rug pull someone, right? So there's all these questions about authorization. So I think having the private key be the access point or control um, for Bitcoin, to me, I guess it's the best proxy for, Ownership of the Bitcoin or control, but it's actually not. Um, so it's hard to say. And because you know, a lot of them will say, "Well, the Bitcoin never really moves as these UTXOs are assigned, and they're never really moving. You're just sending messages between each other to, to quote unquote move them on the ledger to get published. Are you really even moving the Bitcoin around? Um, you know." Is is anyone really doing money transmission? Is anyone really custodying the Bitcoin? Uh, these are questions uh, that uh, should be asked and thought about uh, thought about a little bit more frequently. I think the problem with exchanges, like they're still going to be considered custodians because, or at least money transmitters, because they're they're enabling trades and they have these accounts of people virtually, and they're doing you know transfers just in their own database right they're not they're not always using the blockchain uh so are still going to be money transmitters but just a custodian who's holding the bitcoin on behalf of other people are they going to be really considered custodians if they just have the private key i mean i don't know like who's the legal owner but then you have to figure out can you really own a number how do you even prove that because the utxo is a number but so is the private key is some kind of number or the seed phrase, some kind of like word phrase group. Uh, but what, I mean, so the, the UTXO is really just this number, this output, this unspent output that's assigned to this public key. Um, it's basically like metadata that's related to this public address. And if you have the key to this public address, right, you have the storage container sort of, You have the metadata that is associated with, I guess, metadata about some object called UTXO. It's associated with this public key. Um, In the community, I think the private key is sort of what they consider to be sort of Bitcoin, even though it's not. Like they consider this to be, if you have this private key... You're, you're, you have the you're the custodian because you ultimately have control over uh, this sort of storage container that can move uh, this, this Bitcoin. Um, so I guess that's as best as we can as we can do. Uh, but back to my I got way off topic back to my original uh, question here is I think that the Bitcoin miners, are, in fact, the issuers of this um, Bitcoin uh, intangible asset. This representation, this token, and it represents capital. It represents dollars or dollar equivalent. If you're trading um, some Bitcoin, if you, well, let's just assume you're giving them the Bitcoin miner uh, dollars. So you're giving them dollars. And what are they doing with those dollars? They are, um, they are um, fundamentally funding their business called Bitcoin mining and the business of Bitcoin mining can only exist if they can sell the Bitcoin they mine for dollars because they have business expenses in real dollars. Now, they could get capital from other sources as well. Let's just say the stock, you know, selling their own equity in the company, um, getting a loan, uh, right? But uh, once they have Bitcoin, they can put that up as collateral and get a loan, collateralized loan. They can even, uh, once they have the machines, they can get a loan on that. But let's just say eventually they need to start selling Bitcoin. I know a lot of them want to HODL, but they need to start, they need to sell, right, Um that could be considered um, another kind of security, like in addition to the stock that they sell, the equity, right, that they sell, or the debt that sort of loan a loan that they get. Um, why isn't it just, oh, there's this new asset class, right, that um, the, the called Bitcoin or called whatever token, and this fundamentally? Is going to support this Bitcoin, this Bitcoin mining operation. Um, and they so there's an investment of money when the Bitcoiners uh, first introduce the new Bitcoin and they ultimately sell this Bitcoin uh, for dollars for an investor. And unlike, you know, say, say <clears throat> an oil producer selling oil, that's a real commodity. So oil, once it's out of the ground, once it's sold. It doesn't depend on any oil producer, right, to to keep existing. Uh, It's some raw good that's used um, for whatever purpose it's used in, but it's consumed uh, or it's transformed to make something else, to provide energy, right, or to go into industry. Um, The Bitcoin is sort of just this representation of an issuance of some amount of token that goes to a quote-unquote investor of Bitcoin, that's purchased from this miner, they don't do anything with it, right? They don't they don't use it. They don't really need it, but they invest in it. They hand over some amount of money to this Bitcoin miner. And what sort of implicit promise is made? Well, they assume the Bitcoin industry will keep mining. They don't necessarily need the the Bitcoin miner uh, where the Bitcoin was originally mined from to keep mining, but they do need some miners. So there's this idea that you're only gonna buy Bitcoin if you think Bitcoin is going to perpetuate into the future. And for Bitcoin to keep going indefinitely into the future, there needs to be some miners mining. And so if you look at, again at the Howey test, which a lot of people use, and um, I just started looking at more, more, uh, more now. But there's an investment of money in a common industry with a common goal. And the common goal here would be Bitcoin's price needs to rise. right? So everyone has this common goal whether you're an investor of Bitcoin or you're a miner of Bitcoin. Uh, So you're in this together. Um, You're in a common industry. And what's the other thing that has to happen? Oh, so you expect to profit from the work of others. Well, you could just give some Bitcoin miners some cash and invest, right? But then you... um, you're passive, right? You don't need to be a developer in Bitcoin. You don't need to be a miner of Bitcoin. So you are dependent on other people called the miners to keep mining. So I don't get how people don't see this. Like, cause you, you depend on these Bitcoin miners to keep mining. In my opinion, that's relying on the work of others, right? You also sort of indirectly rely on people pumping Bitcoin. Let's say the developers who make sure there's no bugs in Bitcoin. Um, you know, so those are, I think, more distant, but they're still relevant. And I think that people uh, miss this perhaps because they think, well, this is a, just some business, some, some Bitcoin mining business. And they get their funding through the stock market, right, selling equities, or they get a loan, right? But they're also uh, selling Bitcoin. They're, they're the issuers of Bitcoin. And they are uh, using this capital that they get from selling their Bitcoin. To fund their operations, and when you buy a bitcoin, you know that new bitcoin are coming into the market every ten minutes, in theory, right? Because new bitcoin are being produced, so you're sort of you know that like this fungible thing that you you have is immediately sort of being devalued, right? Or, or you could think of it like, well, there's if there's more bitcoin on the market, uh, my bitcoin might be worth worth uh, worth less, right? So there's just it's an inflation. That people just know about, and this is some kind of decay. This is like a decaying um, asset, right? So you would only hold this if you thought that the that somehow they were going to get the price of Bitcoin to rise, right? You would only like hold this thing that you knew was inflating, if right, and, and and. you knew it was inflating, combined with the fact that the miners are taking fees. So, so part most of it is coming right now as a subsidy of new Bitcoin coming on the market, but it's also fees. That the, the big, you know, these these fees need these fees and the subsidy basically needs to be paid by all the people who own Bitcoin or all the people that want to buy Bitcoin. Uh, and this is like a little tax. So the only reason why people uh, agree to pay the miners right Just because they think that bitcoin's price is going to go up um so it's not just this independent commodity that a producer creates and sells on the market it, it's not this thing that's found in nature right it's this protocol uh to expend a bunch of resources to convert electricity or you could say money that you used to pay for electricity into Bitcoin. Uh, which would be great if you're looking to launder money, right? This is a great way to do it. Uh, just go become a Bitcoin miner. Um, and there's probably many many Bitcoin miners who are laundering money, maybe for other people, maybe themselves. But they um, they're definitely issuing this this thing called Bitcoin. I think, and the Bitcoiners like to claim that Bitcoin isn't issued by anybody well, what are they talking about? Well, they're talking about this, this idea that Bitcoin is just mind. It's just sort of found in nature. It's not found by anybody, right? It's this protocol, this code protocol that specifies you need to waste a certain amount of energy and do enough math crunching with your, uh, guessing or whatever logic guessing with your computer, uh, to, to eventually win this lottery. Right. But, and then you get some Bitcoin out of that. Uh, it's created out of thin air. It's sort of tied to an artificial, oh, go, you go do this work over here. But it's this, uh, item that then is, is rewarded. And because it has some price, which is key to this whole thing working, it has some tradable price. Uh, so, uh, the, the amazing part of Bitcoin was that it somehow got bootstrapped into having a price. Um, and, you know, I th- I think that the first the first instance I hear about that's marketed all the time is when it was traded for pizza. Although this was still peer-to-peer, I believe, and it wasn't really given to the merchant. It was just somebody said, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the pizza, but I'll go buy the pizza and then you'll give me the Bitcoin. So it was just a weird thing. Um, but that was the first, I think that was so key, actually, was that they thought you could reference Bitcoin to an item a real good right finally in the market it wasn't just being traded between people it was somehow being traded or used to buy buy an item right buy a real good that that was what really going i think and i think that that's um that's a question i'm i'm re- researching now is how do you bootstrap a price of a cryptocurrency uh and i think i have a i have a way to do it but um but I'm wondering how other people have done it. I think they just sort of market it and then maybe they sort of wash trade it a little bit and then it just sort of just trades and um, gets a price. But um, but I do find miners are issuing this this asset. And when I say issuing, I mean, once they mine it, let's set that aside, but once they mine it, they're first. They are then the first people to sell it for real dollars, um, and that's how all Bitcoin has has been produced and has been sold. And that the the SEC cares about when people hand over real dollars uh, to buy an investment asset. And I would say the other difference between you know a commodity like a true commodity like oil. And a fake commodity, right, like Bitcoin, is that people don't just buy oil from a, a producer to invest in, to just sit on, right, and, and hope that someone down the future pays a higher price. Number one, it's hard to store. But number two, this oil is bought by, by, um, by uh, let's just call them entrepreneurs or capitalists, right, or people with businesses that transform this oil and sell it into the market but that's not really just like buying the oil and sitting on it. I mean, maybe you could call something like, you know, the U S strategic, you know, reserve oil reserve or whatever that is, some kind of uh, investment, but it's not really an investment. It's, it's mainly being stored for like an emergency use case, I think. But I think if you just think about it in a common sense way, you can see that oil, you know, people aren't just buying oil from a producer of oil to invest on it going up, I mean, you can do that through other products, of course, on the market, ETFs and all kinds of stuff uh, that track sort of the price of, of oil, but you're not just buying it directly from the producer and sitting on it, right? But that's what people in Bitcoin are doing. They're buying Bitcoin directly from a Bitcoin miner or producer and just sitting on it, right? And just hoping the price goes up. But no one is buying Bitcoin because they actually need it, right? There might be an ETF where you can speculate on the price, but no one is actually buying Bitcoin to transform it, to use it in any kind of productive way. It's completely like this investment asset. And I think that's why it's so tied to the Bitcoin miners themselves, is because it depends on the Bitcoin miners. It depends on them keep you know t- keeping keeping mining. These promises that Bitcoin is going to perpetuate into the future depends on the Bitcoiners uh, continuing to mine, continuing to expand. And uh, you can't get around the fact that Bitcoin is very dependent on these, these Bitcoin miners. Oil produced out of the ground, once it's out, right, and sold, it's not dependent on any oil, uh, oil producer, even the one that it directly uh, came from. Right, that it was produced by. It's, it's, it's not the same thing, um, and I I don't know why people think Bitcoin is a commodity. But this is the biggest con, or you could say the biggest genius of the Bitcoiners is convincing regulators and convincing market participants that Bitcoin is like just some commodity, right, independent of the creators. The other con is that Bitcoin was never issued, and the Bitcoiners like to to pretend or say other other cryptos were issued but bitcoin wasn't and this is i think when they start saying this they're getting themselves into trouble because um, i think when they start making comparisons between other cryptocurrencies what they've been doing lately uh, people are going to notice right well what really is the difference between other cryptocurrencies the issuance uh, what 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 do you think really is the difference here? Why is Bitcoin this commodity, and uh, the bit, why are Bitcoiners calling other other coins, other altcoins, um, securities? Um, and I think a big distinction is with the ICOs. Do the ICOs really matter? I mean, you had this initial coin offering. The word initial, so it was like taking in funds and selling this token to sort of um, ramp up your your project, right? Get it bootstrapped, right? Because uh, projects need funding. It was also a way to create a market and bootstrap a price for a new crypto. Um, what people didn't like about this or what people saw easily with this is that, well, this is funding the business, right? This is funding, you're selling sort of this equity-like instrument, or you're getting money from someone to build up this business and you're all in it together you want the price to go up. Okay, that that's pretty easy to see. But why is bitcoin any different? Well, they think that because bitcoiners think well, the bitcoin code was already ready and it was out there. And but they don't consider the fact that the bitcoin miners are an ongoing thing. These bitcoin miners need to keep doing what they're doing. Development in bitcoin is an ongoing thing, right? They constantly are are working on the code, right, and to build new features or whatever. Um, But they think that just because the code was already out there, that that there was no ICO in Bitcoin, right, because there wasn't a huge founding team that was public that sold a bunch of Bitcoin. But who were the founding team of Bitcoin? Well, Satoshi and, and his close associates and his friends and the people that heard about Bitcoin first. And I would argue the people, I don't know who they are, but the people that decided to pump Bitcoin, market Bitcoin, right? Who are these people? I don't know. Uh, But there are definitely people who decided to jump in on this and market it, right? And and get it where it is today. Create a narrative around it. Create this narrative that it's going to be money. And to some degree, Satoshi wrote about that too. Um, I don't know how much, probably quite a bit. But other people jumped in on it and decided to market it as well. And they would only be doing so if they had a substantial... um, you know, incentive to do so, which would be having a lot of Bitcoin themselves. But, uh, so the key difference here, in my opinion, is create a new token, uh, but do it like Bitcoin did. Slowly get, um, adoption, right? Slow, like create a proof of work token, right? Get other people interested in, in, in mining it. Um, uh, and then, Uh, don't, don't announce, you can't, so everybody sort of knows you can't just announce a new token and offer it at a price. Uh, although people, people kind of do this today with the VCs. Um, but in 2018, it was a big no-no to offer this new token, right. And then have it fund your business. Instead, you want to sort of self fund, write the code all out, get it all ready to go and then, uh, let it, let it work kind of slowly. But back to Bitcoin being a security, it's really obvious when you think about something like Uniswap. And I've been hating on Uniswap for a long time because they're VC-backed company, so they have stock in Uniswap that they've sold. And uh, they've also launched this UNI token, which is a governance token for their DAO. And I don't care exactly what it does. People say it's a utility token whatever, but what it, but what they did, but look at how they issued it. They gave it to, they gave it in chunks to people who own the Uniswap company, right? To key developers. Um, and then early like liquidity providers, they call them in this DAO. Well, um, this is clearly a security and you know, the SEC has been investigating Uniswap in my opinion. I don't know what's taking them so long. Why hasn't there been fines announced? I don't know. Um, But this is clearly a security, this UNI token. And clearly, Uniswap, the company, issued it. Now, they want to pretend like this DAO issued it, but that's just a bunch of BS. And I think a regulator should be able to see this. It's a different type of funding. It's a different type of instrument that is tied to this corporation that's responsible for creating these Uniswap protocols, right? Uh, but they've been doing some fancy regulatory, you know, hoops, going through some fancy hoops to just try to get the regulars off their back. Right. But but I hope that they eventually uh, are fined, you know, and to be fair, these people, I mean, they are breaking the law. Why? Why are some people allowed to break securities laws, but other people aren't? Right. I I wish I'm justice minded and. I really wish the SEC would have been doing their job a long time ago because it's, it's, it's very difficult for people to watch what's been going on and what people have been able to get away with, but also knowing that you could be the one that they cracked down on. And so this prevents some people from doing the same thing, right? So they're going after a ripple. In my opinion, they're only going to go after you really if, you're, uh, if you, you've made a lot of money anyways. I mean, it, there's sometimes where they go after some small fish, too. Um, but what's the risk-reward? You could become a, a multimillionaire easily by creating one of these protocols, selling some kind of security token, uh, and your your risk is pretty low. Like, is the SEC going to come after you? Maybe if they do, you'll have a lot of money and you can pay the fines or you can try to find it like a ripple. I mean, ripple is an exception here. Uh, but uh, they've already spent like $100 million in legal fees fighting the SEC. Now, if the SEC were smart, they'd just go get a bunch of more money from Congress, right? I don't know why they aren't doing this. Um, and they could keep trying them and trying them and trying them and trying them. Like, the DOJ could come after them. you really think that you could fight a government with unlimited resources if the government really wanted to make an example out of you? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but but uh, Ripple seems to be calling their bluff. Um, I tend to think it's not gonna work out for Ripple, even with the amount of money that they have spent. But again, the uni token is a great example of some kind of company issuing stock, right? But also issuing this new instrument called a cryptocurrency token. And this uni token is a security. Well, while it's, it's easier to see, I think, than Bitcoin, Bitcoin is actually the same phenomena you have a because where does the Bitcoin come from it comes from a Bitcoin miner all Bitcoin is come, came from a Bitcoin miner and uh, they fund themselves they can fund themselves by selling stock in a business in their own business but they're also funding themselves uh, their operations by selling the Bitcoin which is a new type of security uh, but they are funding themselves. Uh, through this token. Now, this token, the people that invest in it, they're not going to be sharing in the profits of the company themselves, but they are in a common industry. It's a different kind of industry. It's called Bitcoin, this new security token. And they're all in the business of making this go up. So while the shareholders directly of stock of like a Riot company, they earn dividends or they earn profit whenever Riot itself earns a profit, Uh, sort of Bitcoin is tied to that, but not really. It's really just about the profit of the company. Um, The Bitcoin, the the people that invest in Bitcoin and buy Bitcoin, they are in the business of Bitcoin price going up because there's no dividends directly on Bitcoin. The Bitcoin miners, right, are in the business of producing Bitcoin for a profit. So, they're profitable and buying the stock of a riot gets you that income stream. But the, so the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin holders are paying these fees to the miners, right? They're being, they're being inflated. Their, their Bitcoin is being inflated whenever new Bitcoin is created. Um, They're sort of taxed right by these Bitcoin miners, but they also are playing this game of, okay, how are we going to be rewarded? We know that Bitcoin doesn't throw off cash flows itself, how are we going to be rewarded? Well, think of a speculative stock, uh, you know, like like a Tesla, right? You're rewarded when Tesla's share price goes up. Well, Bitcoiners are rewarded. Bitcoin investors are rewarded only when the Bitcoin price goes up, which is easily done. Um, so that's how, that's the game that they're playing. Uh, and the Bitcoin miners are playing two games. They're playing the Bitcoin price go up. And that's, I think, why you're seeing a lot of them huddle Bitcoin perhaps. Uh, Well, they also tend to be big Bitcoiners and very bullish, but um, they're playing two games. They're playing this game where they issue this new security instrument called Bitcoin token. uh, And they're trying to get the number to go up, price to go up. They're also playing the game of we're a business to make profit basically mining bitcoin and selling it right the difference between our input costs and the price of bitcoin if 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 a bitcoin miner is successful they are able to sell the bitcoin which they may which they sort of make right an issue uh for their input costs need to be less than the price of bitcoin right for them to make profit and that will go to the shareholders of the company itself um, so I think there's two different games going on. And I think the struggle is around, are they making Bitcoin, right? Because their input costs are, are set, right? Are they making the Bitcoin? Um, like, an, like um, I don't know, some company that makes something or making oil again, or are they issuing Bitcoin to then sell to people as an investment I think because it's treated as an investment, you can't really say they're making sort of a product. What they're really doing is selling some token that represents an issuance of this new type of security that depends on the Bitcoin miners and uh, where they hope to make a profit off of their their initial investment. If the Bitcoin miners keep doing what they're doing and the, the whole industry is successful, And getting the price of Bitcoin uh, to go up, Um, but I think I think under the Howey test, like all of these things fit uh, to me. Um, The only thing people might say is, "Well, um, anybody could be a miner." Well, there's not that many big miners today, right? And uh, economies of scale and And so what? Like if some miner comes and goes, there's always going to be some miner in the market mining Bitcoin because you need that to exist. Now, do you want to do a, a podcast on asking the question, what happens if there's no Bitcoin miners? Could Bitcoin survive without any Bitcoin miners? And perhaps to some degree, it's theoretically possible, right? There's all these new layer twos. And if somehow this blockchain was sort of frozen in time and then everyone's just using layer twos, uh, Bitcoin almost has transformed into just a different type of of asset with a different source of truth. Um, It's sort of a derivative asset. It's almost like a fork, although, you know, not not exactly. But in my opinion, like Lightning has very different rules than Bitcoin. People say, oh, well, Lightning is Bitcoin because it uses Bitcoin. But it doesn't really... It's not using Bitcoin the way that, that, that it was intended, or the or the or it doesn't have the same source of truth, right? You're not using the blockchain anymore, so it's still very different. You can't claim I don't think that they're the same. Uh, they might use the same asset, but but again, it's sort of like a derivative way to use Bitcoin. So does that mean mining could cease? Like once all the Bitcoin have been been created or most of them are created, could Bitcoin mining cease? Like this question, when you first ask yourself this, you think, well, no. Um, but perhaps it, perhaps it could, although it probably would be, need to be called something different. It would be like Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin, um, something else. Because, uh, if you think about a a hard fork, this would definitely be a hard fork. Like if Bitcoin was, was only used on Lightning Network or some other layer two, it would cease to be the Bitcoin that we know and love. It would cease to be used in the blockchain. And this would be, in my opinion, a version of a hard fork where it's completely different than what it used to be. Um, so in that scenario, would you say that the Bitcoin miners are still the issuers or do we still depend on them to, to um, perpetuate the blockchain? I guess that's too far out in the future and s- speculative territory. Um, but I still think the question would be asked, who, who is selling what and why? And what promises are they making? Like, is Bitcoin going to still be around in the future? Why are they selling this? Is it, is it more like an investment or more like a commodity or more like a collectible? And I think that these basic questions, just these common sense questions of is Bitcoin more like a, com- a commodity Or an investment. Well, people are not using Bitcoin. It's more like an investment. It's all over CNBC, which is an investment channel. Like it's clearly this investment. It's clearly marketed as an investment. Uh, It's clearly not a commodity. It's um, it's treated as an investment. People talk about it as an investment how can, how can people not see that it's an investment and who deals with investments and selling investments? Well, the SCC, right. Who, who regulates this, this type of industry. So I don't understand. I, I think that people just look at, you know, they look at Jay Clayton who is the chairman of the SEC in 2018. They look to one guy's opinion, which isn't really the opinion of the agency Right, and he's been long gone now. He works in the crypto industry, so he's biased. You could you could say now that he was biased in his opinion. Um, they look at statements from individuals at the SEC, like Hester Pierce, even Gary Ginsler. Even I think he overstepped what he overstepped his authority when he went on CNBC. Now, he did say something like it looks like Bitcoin is the only, but he wasn't making any kind of formal statement. This was this was an off-the-cuff answer, and it wasn't as clear black and white as the Bitcoiners want you to think. Like, it, well, they always, you know, retweet these things that people powerful say, like it was some kind of formal statement, right, That that it was as clear as night and day, and it, it definitely wasn't. But again, this is some guy's opinion. He could be voted out next week or he could, you know, whenever his term is done, somebody's going to replace him. This stuff needs to be challenged in court. And I think that I think there could be a really good case to be made for calling Bitcoin a security. And, you know, the Bitcoiners, they're really starting to piss off other altcoiners. You know, they're getting a little bit nervous and you can tell they're getting nervous When they run to the government and want the government to regulate all the other altcoins and they want to pretend like they're all securities and they want to pretend like it's very immoral to release your own altcoin but it's not immoral for some reason to get rich off bitcoin but it is immoral to start your own crypto and and pump it up right and get rich so um in my opinion these bitcoiners need to be very very careful and who they piss off because there's a lot of money in the crypto industry Right, and it's not all about Bitcoin. If you want to make money, you're going to create your own cryptocurrency. Right, you're not going to be flocking to Bitcoin right now because the money has already been made in Bitcoin. But Bitcoiners expose themselves, right, when they start uh, sort of attacking other cryptocurrency projects, calling them securities, calling for regulators to uh, say everything else is a security except Bitcoin, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, But they they really they really are getting kind of I mean. They're getting desperate in their attempts here. Um, and I think it just goes to show that Bitcoin is very similar to other cryptocurrencies. The utility can be copied and all of these things that can be copied uh, present an opportunity um, for, for other people to create, create a new one. Uh, because why would you buy Bitcoin when you create your own cryptocurrency, right, um, and potentially get rich off of that? Uh, there's no reason to buy Bitcoin. But the Bitcoiners are pissed off about that because they've got bags and they're invested in Bitcoin and they want the number to go up. Uh, so they want to claim that you're immoral if you want to use something other b- besides Bitcoin. Now, there is sort of a utility of all these cryptocurrencies. Once you can bootstrap a price, you can move dollars, right? That because the crypto is priced in dollars. And if this thing trades and is liquid, in theory, you can move money in another way. It's another tool to move money. Uh, and any cryptocurrency can, can do this. So that's, again, why Bitcoin doesn't have a monopoly here. Uh, Bitcoin then tries to pretend like it's just scarce. But what do you really, what is scarce about Bitcoin? Just the thing called Bitcoin. But it can be forked. Other You can use other cryptocurrencies. You can call another cryptocurrency digital gold. Or you can make one that's even more scarce than Bitcoin, Right. Uh, proof of work, you could do the same thing, and um, maybe you don't have the same people involved in it, but that doesn't matter. Uh, so the scarcity narrative is a farce. Um, Bitcoiners, then, I think that they realize that they're kind of in deep shit. I mean, they they kind of I think that they know that they really um, they're really going to be out of luck here when people figure out that that uh, Bitcoin isn't scarce that its utility is satisfied by any number of cryptocurrencies, and that uh, decentralization doesn't come up in the definition of a security, right? And if they're going to pretend like other cryptocurrencies are securities, you know, in, in, in one respect, they're sort of on the way. They're sort of learning, right? These Bitcoiners, oh, at least they'll concede that these other cryptocurrencies are securities, Now we just need to convince them, which is going to be the most difficult part, that their own special cryptocurrency called Bitcoin is a security too. Uh, Now, I don't really have hope that I could convince them of that. Uh, But it's going to be more difficult for them to defend Bitcoin is not a security if they're constantly going on the attack and saying how every other cryptocurrency is a security. Um, Again, all you have to do is go deep dive and think about where Bitcoin comes from. Is it this real commodity or some kind of collectible that's produced by a company? Or is it a security? Is it an investment? And who's issuing it? Where does it come from? It's coming from the miners. Okay. And who got in early to Bitcoin, right? And who is a miner today? And what what needs to happen for Bitcoin to still exist 100 years from now. What, you know, the Bitcoin miners in theory need to keep mining. What needs to happen, right? Or who benefits when the price of Bitcoin goes up? Who are the participants in the market pumping Bitcoin? What are they saying about it? Are they manipulating the price of this market? And then you can look at all the other uh, coins that are traded in this thing that pretend like they're dollars or the equivalent of dollars, uh, like a tether, where we have basically no no insider knowledge about this thing, uh, about about it. And then what pisses me off is that they can claim they're worth a dollar, but only on these exchanges can, can a regular person uh, transfer out of the tether to real dollars. You're dependent on this exchange. Um, I think that makes the exchanges way more responsible for listing tether and to be able to promise their users that they can get out dollars of this thing because they're they're acting like sort of Tether's uh, accomplices here in that uh, only if you are a large player can you go to the issuer Tether itself, but yet exchanges like Kraken, it, at least, I don't know, maybe Coinbase 2. And Coinbase 2, and I think, lists Tether too. Now, uh, they didn't for a long time, but these exchanges, in my opinion, are complicit. They... Uh, are going to be on the hook. They're, they should be responsible uh, for making sure their customers are at least aware of the risks, which they're not doing. But they, if, 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 if this is where you buy your Tether, right? you should be able to exit your Tether. Uh, they're sort of like accomplices of Tether and other, other like USDC, right? Uh, same thing with USDC. If you're an average Joe, I don't think you can go to USDC and get your dollars out of USDC. Yeah. Um, I think all of these exchanges, they need to be making a lot of money because they're going to be having a lot of lawsuits. Now maybe they're already having lawsuits privately now, but I think eventually they're going to go under. I don't think that these exchanges, uh, can continue. Right. And I just see all kinds of risks in their future. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be bullish on any of these exchanges, now, that doesn't mean that the game in crypto can't go on for a long time, but I think there's a lot of just risk to these companies and liability that they might be facing in the future. Uh, fines from the SEC, private lawsuits from p- their customers um, who they're who they're uh, allowing to buy all this stuff from, um, the, the dirty tricks that they do, selling to their customers, perhaps even using their cryptocurrency, right, that's just sitting on their books as, you know, something they trade or whatever, Um but the manipulation and fraud is rampant in this industry and calling, you know, call that, get, I'll just wrap this up and say one more thing, calling something a security doesn't really matter. Like it matters in the sense that the SEC tries to prevent fraud and to do that, they have certain requirements and they like, you know, people selling securities, companies selling securities to have certain disclosures. Um, so uh, what, if you can get around that, well, you don't have to list responsibilities and disclosures. And, and Bitcoin's main goal is to reduce responsibility. That's the whole goal of decentralization. They try to deflect. They try to say, well, no one's responsible for Bitcoin. There's look at how many miners there are. They're all decentralized. No one could possibly ever be responsible in Bitcoin. And that's why they think it's not a security. I think they're definitely wrong. Uh, but, and, and one final thought, um, With the Texas grid, it's also quote unquote deregulated. And why is that? It's not really deregulated. It's not really a free market. There's all kinds of rules and restrictions. Um, But why is that the goal? Well, ERCOT, the Texas grid operator, is technically not responsible for the reliability of the Texas grid. I'll say that again. Texas ERCOT, the grid operator, the electric grid operator is not responsible for keeping the lights on they're not responsible for that. Are the generators that produce power, right? That they sell to the grid on the grid. Are they responsible? No. Are the utilities there that that buy it from the generators that sell it to retail responsible? No. Are the people that own the transmission lines, whether it's some kind of public entity or private entity, are they responsible? No. Who's responsible? No one is the, uh, the what they call the PUCT Texas thing—it's like the public. It's a public um, regulator that that sort of works with ERCOT, but they technically, I don't think, have have complete power over ERCOT. Uh, are they responsible? No. Whenever ERCOT was quote unquote not deregulated, which was before 1999 and some you know early 2000s. Were they responsible? Kind of, yeah, because it was a monopoly, right? And they there were government officials that were held somewhat accountable, right, by being voted out of office or whatever, if the grid failed or if prices got too high. They had to answer answer to customers, to real customers. Now that it's deregulated, right, which isn't really deregulated because a real deregulation would have customers being able to have a say or have competitors in this energy space where they buy electricity, but that doesn't exist today. So it's not really a fair market. Plus they have all these rules and weird, a weird setup for the auction and the power market. Uh, you're not allowed to pay, pay someone really to um, provide reliable power to you. That's just not even a, a possibility. So um, it's definitely not a, a free system. It's not, it's not really quote unquote deregulated. And what pisses me off about these Bitcoiners is that they say, oh yeah, we're free market. We're libertarian. We love deregulation, this is great for the grid. Well, they don't even like want to look into, is it really deregulated? Because it, that doesn't help them, right? That doesn't line their pocketbooks. Uh, these people are very self-interested. They're not principled at all. They just do whatever makes them rich. And it really makes me upset and angry. Um, but they love deregulation or quote unquote deregulation. But it's it's the same kind of fraud and game that they play whenever they say Bitcoin is decentralized decentralized. What they're saying is, we want want an issue of security where absolutely no one is responsible, right? If something gets hacked, if something goes wrong, if Bitcoin, if the miners want to shut down tomorrow, they can. No one should be responsible in Bitcoin. They also want no one to be responsible for the Texas grid, right? So the power could go out for a week in hot summer and they're not going to blame anybody. No one's going to take the fall. This is what the Bitcoiners want. Uh, so the same shell game of deregulated grid is the same shell game of decentralized. Nothing is truly decentralized. Like these Bitcoin miners work together. They had this Bitcoin, Texas Bitcoin, sorry, not Texas, North American Bitcoin Mining Council, which is this trade group. Uh, they just had a, their, their quarterly, second quarterly report yesterday, you know, where Michael Saylor heads this group and they're, you know, explaining how, uh, they're sort of get, wanting to gather industry data. They also sort of have this goal of going green, right? And, and at least showing everybody that, you know, oh, Bitcoin is so green. Um, but it's sort of an industry trade group uh, where they, they all have the, they have the same common interest. And even if, if there's a Bitcoin miner that's not part of this trade group, which I'm sure there is, um, but they, have, they benefit by being part of it because they're all working in concert They're all going to pay for some lobbyists to go lobby the government to like not ban Bitcoin, right? Not ban Bitcoin mining because they they have an incentive. They have a common interest here. They want to get special low contracts of power. They want to all lobby the Texas ERCOT bureaucrats, right? They want to lobby Ted Cruz, uh, Senator of Texas, right? To be friendly to Bitcoin mining industry. They have this common goal and they have this common interest. They're working in concert, right? Um, They uh maybe separate companies, but they have a common goal and interest and they're selling something quote-unquote fungible called the Bitcoin token. They're all using the same Bitcoin protocol, right, to mine Bitcoin. They're all, so, they're all playing by the rules if they want to mine Bitcoin. They're all working together. It doesn't matter that they're separate little entities and companies um, that, are, that are directed differently, but they all are working with the same code. They all are working for the same goal. So these are the people where the Bitcoin is coming from. These are the issuers of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin is definitely issued. Um, And just because Satoshi didn't issue all of these Bitcoin up front, uh, which is usually, I think, the Bitcoiners' argument against the altcoins, Uh, just because he didn't issue them all up front, right, because they're being issued by these different miners, right, different people, doesn't mean that Bitcoin is not a security. It makes it a more difficult thing to understand, right? But it doesn't mean that the concept of issuing a security doesn't apply. It doesn't mean that this instrument of Bitcoin that's issued, right, that's created and then sold, um, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't analyze it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't fit any, any boxes. So there's a lot of people in Bitcoin that think it's a new asset class. It's something totally different. It's not a security. It's not, maybe they a lot of them think it's a commodity, but maybe some of them don't uh they think so, they think the rules don't apply to them. they think they've created something so unique that they should have their own sort of regulatory sandbox in my opinion, that's a bunch of baloney It's a way to skirt around the laws right so that so the bad laws don't apply to you. the securities regulations don't apply to you, and you can pretend like what you're doing sort of isn't issuing this security right that people are investing in, and that you have no responsibility towards these people and I think that the, this, this idea that, that no one should be responsible to anybody, this isn't like capitalism. This is, this is a bunch of fraud. Um, Bitcoin does not represent capitalism. It represents unfair dealing, manipulation, and, and lies and misrepresentation. Um, and they want to be able to get away with this. So certain people don't like the government because they want to break the laws. And this is my opinion Bitcoiners. You know, they pretend like they don't like government because they don't like wasteful spending they want, you quote unquote, more freedom, the ability to do whatever they want, to. but the ability to do whatever you want, the typical libertarian stance doesn't involve defrauding people, right? So you should be able to create a business, a legitimate business, sell your product, but you can't lie about that product. And that's always been the case. You can't commit fraud. That's called fraud. When you lie about the product you're selling, uh, you're not allowed to do that. But the Bitcoiners apparently want to be able to do that, in my opinion. And this, isn't, this is what also ticks me off about their industry. Um, you know, because I don't like big government either, (laughs) right? And in theory, regulation should be smaller, probably, right? We shouldn't have to get a, you know, if you want to become a hairstylist, you have to like get a degree now or get registered or whatever you need to do. Uh, Do we really need a degree program to cut hair? Now, it might be beneficial to go take some classes, but should it be a requirement, right? And and, and should people have to pay, you know, $20,000 to learn, quote unquote, how to cut hair? No. No. Right, this is a type of regulatory, uh a bureaucratic thing that we could probably eliminate and there wouldn't be some kind of adverse right consequence. Yeah, might maybe you'll get a bad haircut, uh, but maybe somebody's just starting out. Uh, maybe they haven't done their twenty thousand hours of hair class, but who cares, right? It grows back. This isn't the end of the world. Um, and this is an example of where government interferes, uh and, and, and adds costs, in my opinion, uh, that could be reduced. But with securities laws, a lot of people say, well, this adds too much cost. Well, there's also a lot of fraud going on. And not that it not that the SEC prevents the fraud. They usually come in after and try to try to find, and they don't really prevent anything. And maybe their organization could be redirected somehow to do a better job. Uh, but as long as there's fraud, there's going to be people wanting an organization like the SEC to do more. Like most people uh, say, where's the SEC? They should be doing more. They should be prosecuting evenly. Uh, Most people who are not the hardcore Bitcoiners are saying we need more from the SEC, not less. Like there's so much fraud that goes goes unprosecuted, unpunished. Well, in my opinion, if the SEC isn't going to do their job, they need to allow private citizens to bring cases of, of securities fraud. I think that you can bring a case of fraud, but I don't know if you can bring a case of securities fraud, Fraud, you know, because that's technically like a federal law or whatever. But there needs to be more private cases then. There needs to be just more private action from people that are being sold these investment products where they're defrauded somehow or another. And just misrepresenting your product that you're selling uh, or, or an investment, you know, like a Bitcoin investment contract, like Bitcoin basically that you're selling. Um, to the public, just, just misstating something, calling energy, a battery, calling it digital energy, whatever that means, uh, in my opinion, fraud and should be, um, there should be way more, way, way more cases brought, uh, basically every crypto company in my opinion is probably breaking some law and I want to see more, more private people suing. I don't want to just depend on the SEC, right? Cause they don't seem to be doing much. I want more people. More people, probably people who've lost money in some capacity with some kind of crypto company, but especially with Bitcoin miners, I want to see them suing, right? I want to see and a lot of Bitcoin miners are probably, they're not selling directly to retail. Somehow they're selling to like a big entity who then buys the coins and then maybe they resell it. So that could be a little bit tricky, right? But if the, if the Bitcoin miner isn't selling directly to the public, like putting it on Coinbase, right? Or the public, quote unquote public, like if they're selling to... Somebody on OTC desk, or using an OTC broker, and then they're, you know, some kind of quote unquote, um, what do they call it? A um, high net worth individual who's allowed to like buy these sort of private, private equity right Uh, things. Um, Is that not considered selling it publicly? Right. So then, who would be who would be selling it publicly? Uh, The people that buy it from the Bitcoin miner. Or the Bitcoin miner itself. Well, whether it's, you know, whether security is, is sold publicly or, or not, or privately, it doesn't, it's still security. It maybe has different disclosures, but it's actually still security. And I'd argue that the Bitcoin miner is still ultimately responsible for selling the securities. Kind of like Tether, where Tether sells it to only certain customers. Think of these people as private actors who have a high net worth. Uh, so then these people then sell it to the public. Well, who is responsible? Because this security called Tether that's issued has different rights depending on who you are. If you're a customer of Tether, you can redeem it directly with Tether. If you're just a retail person on Coinbase and you buy Tether, you don't have those same rights. So in my opinion, how can this security have morphed into having different rights depending on who has it? In my opinion, that's a big problem. And that's a that's a huge problem, glaring problem that I see that, that I don't see anybody talking about. Um, how can the security jump, right? How can it, how, it's almost like a different asset, right? It's almost like the tether that's sold originally to some private customer is not the same tether, right, that that, that, that Kraken is offering to retail people. It's a, got diff, fundamentally different rights. In my opinion, that makes Kraken somewhat of an issuer of tether and ultimately also responsible for ensuring that this tether is one-to-one, right, with the dollar or whatever, whatever they're claiming. Uh, which they currently don't do. So there's all kinds of issues and problems here. Um, Tether is definitely a security. You're you're putting in real dollars. They're making promises that it'll stay a dollar, um, at least in general, broadly to the market. Um, and they're investing these dollars whenever they get them. So they just because they don't get quote unquote are not giving you return, right? They are they are saying that this thing we're going to keep it at least a dollar. They're going to use your money right so you're sort of an investor of tether when you hand them a dollar and they give you tether um it's almost like someone called it a mutual fund well those are securities right and just because you're not expecting a profit people say well howie test doesn't apply to tether because you don't expect to get back more than a dollar who cares you're still putting money with them you're you you do not expect to get less than a dollar either you're still you're still putting money with them that's being invested directly by tether And if that tether makes money, then you at least don't lose money, right? Then you can expect to get your dollar out versus if tether makes really bad investment decisions with your dollars, like putting it all in Celsius or whatever they're doing, um, then, uh, then you lose, right? So you, you're, they are sort of making a promise to you. They are investing your money. You are sort of partnering with them. Um, this is definitely an investment contract. Now, I don't know why the SEC, SEC, or other crypto people, you know, haven't noticed this. You know, the safe deans of the world calling every other cryptocurrency a security. I mean, do they include stable coins in this? Do they include Tether and USDC? I think they probably do, right? But do they fundamentally understand how important Tether and USDC stable coins are to the crypto industry? Do they understand how important these things are? And if you call them a security, that would do horrific things to Bitcoin's price to the industry as a whole, these things depend on these stable coins. They 100% depend on these stable coins, for sure. In my opinion, now maybe something could be invented that could replace them, but uh, they don't just depend on them because I think that they're creating these things without backing, which I do think that they they are. But these these same Bitcoiners that that defend Tether, right? Like an Adam Back, he defends Tether, well because Tether's invested in Blockstream, but for another, but, but, you know, Adam Back or others like him will complain about BlockFi and Celsius, right? And because they only keep 10% of their reserves, they're sort of like a bank that had a bank run. They, they, they would lend out, you know, people's money. And at the same time, they lost the public's trust. They lost a bunch of money through their investments. There is a bank run. And once you have a bank run, it's a spiral that, that, Basically, you're going to become insolvent because you depend on this deposit or money. Well, why do they think that Tether is any different? I mean, Tether is taking in dollars just like a BlockFi. Technically, they're lending, right? They're lending and they don't have all the, the assets. The li- they, they don't just hold dollars, right? It, it's not all liquid. They're doing exactly sort of what a BlockFi did, uh, except they get to keep all the yield. So it's great for Tether. Um, and they also have issued an asset called Tether. BlockFi issued no cryptocurrency, right? Maybe that's BlockFi's mistake, but, uh, or Celsius's mistake. Um, but how, ha- again, Adam back, uh, or, uh, all these, all these Bitcoin maxis ranting about how the you shouldn't hold money at BlockFi. You shouldn't put your crypto at BlockFi. You shouldn't be chasing yield. Well, why do they, why do they like, uh, uh, go after BlockFi and Celsius is it because you're uh, because Tether's you're not putting Bitcoin with Tether. Is that the only reason? So they just don't want you to hold Bitcoin with these with these BlockFi's of the world. They don't want you to chase yield. They don't want you to put your Bitcoin or or USDC or whatever you have at risk. Um, but uh, and they, they they're so focused on not your keys, not your coins. They're so focused on like, oh, well, if you put your money with them, they may not uh, be able to give it back to you, which is true. But why do they give an exemption again to Tether? Tether operates the same way, like a bank, like BlockFi and, and Celsius does, right? Where if they have more people coming to them, now they control it, right? They have, so they they've done a better job, right? They limit how many people can actually withdraw from Tether. But if that if word gets out, right, that they're not meeting um, redemption requests, they're not exchanging real dollars anymore for Tether, right? That that'll get around eventually, and. Um, right? Everyone will see the, the, the the price may be decoupled from a dollar. But why do the Bitcoiners again think this can't happen to Tether? Yeah, they have a lot of money. Yeah, they have billions. So what, right? Everyone, so you get a, you get a run, right? You get some kind of fear and the same thing happened to BlockFi and Tether. Sorry, that happened to BlockFi and Celsius can happen to Tether. It's the same exact concept. You hand over these companies assets. They go lend out these assets, right? There's some kind of loss or fear, and everybody wants to get their underlying dollars back or their whatever, whatever back, but they can't make the withdrawal uh, request because either they've lost money they or it's being lent out currently. Maybe it's still, you know, maybe it's being paid, paid, but they just they don't have it immediately for you. So um, inevitably, the same thing that's going to happen to BlockFi that happened to BlockFi and Celsius will happen to Tether. Now, it may take a while, right? Uh, And Tether may be very good at managing their risk, let's say, or they may be very good at being able to print new Tethers and having, I think, what they have as accomplices in the market that help them keep the peg, like exchanges, like SPF, Uh, saying Bankman Fried, right? I think that these people are intertwined with this business. I think that they're more than just good customers. I think they're like almost partners with these people, like with Tether. And they all work together to keep the price up, I think, because, you know, Tether... Only allows some redemptions. So, what else? What is the other mechanism that Tether has to keep the price up? Because the price is what people look at, and the price is on these exchanges. This public price, the OTC trades aren't even published. So, Tether depends on what is late, what these exchanges say. Tether's prices, right? Which these exchanges can definitely control, or market makers can control, right? They're they're or their preferred customers. They can do some kind of arbitrage. So. They just really need to convince the market that Tether is still one-to-one backed or one-to-one trading. I think the trading price, right, I think depends way more on just this idea of let's open up Tether's books and see if they actually have the dollars here. Because we all know that they, they have all kinds of illiquid investment. So who gives a damn? I I don't really care about what's on Tether's books. I, I know I can guess what they're doing with with you know, some logic and some pretty good deductions just based off of probability, right? But what people are looking at, right? And what Tether absolutely cares about is everywhere Tether trades, right? And what is its price doing? Now, they kind of, again, they sort of give this risk, they push this risk onto their quote unquote partners, which I call them, their market makers, their intimate customers, probably people that they get direct Tether loans, And and basically, what they get these tether loans for free, unbacked probably, and they're given this, and they're said, "Hey, you got to help us keep this price up, right? You you operate a market making company like SBF, you operate an exchange, you got to do your part, right? In exchange, uh, we'll be partners, we'll give you some of the upside, or we'll, we'll we'll give you, you know, these preferred tether loans, or whatever it is they're doing, right? They're 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 working in concert, in my opinion, somehow." Uh, Tether couldn't, I don't think Tether could do this alone. I don't, I, I really don't. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, but, but again, I want to see these Bitcoiners attack Tether like they attack the blockfights of the world. I mean, do they have the same concerns? Because they're fundamentally uh, almost the same type of business. Um, and it's just incredible to see the hypocrisy uh, with these bitcoiners, right? Uh, but it's definitely there if you if you if you want to dig down and look. I'm gonna I'm gonna end this here.